From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. an exercise in human perversion parading as government in good government engagement. In the Root Showcase, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said, it's a political question. The Supreme Court's not going to do these um, gerrymandering cases anymore. Welcome back to Season 10 of the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. On today's show, election law scholar Francis Hill handicaps state legislatures' chances of enacting voting right measures before the 2024 races. Let's go to executive producer Catherine Skip with the interview. Uh, Good morning, Francis. Welcome. Thank you, Catherine. Nice to be with you. Well, let's start out by digging into the state of voting in 2023. Well... What a task at the very beginning of the year. For those of us who are hoping we might have a little peace and quiet, we have been proved wrong yet again. Um, the, the states are going full pour ahead on extending their voting control over the entire voting process. And these efforts um, take two forms. One is voter suppression, which is pretty much what everybody calls it. And it's the manipulation of um, such factors as that are going to make it more difficult for the poor, the elderly, perhaps new voters to vote. It's things like moving the precincts, boundaries around a little bit, etc. It doesn't say you can't vote. But it certainly isn't easy to figure out where you should be voting. And then if you complexities follow from that. The real question this time is how many states are going to go for some version of vote nullification, which is simply to say, okay, knock yourself out. Have a nice afternoon. Vote if you want to. We don't care because we're going to determine who won the election. You people are just for show. And this is actually going on in our country. It's in some ways linked with the fake electors we heard a lot about um, at uh, in December. It allows state legislators and the legislature to determine who won elections without reference to the number of votes each candidate received. And so this is alarming. This really would change how we govern and we wouldn't be governing ourselves. It would be openly replacing voters. It is in place in some states, but they haven't used it yet. But other states are thinking about it. And so we're not going to have a peaceful, restful 2023. Well, let's let's just Go to Ohio. You know, what do you have against voter IDs? Voter IDs are peachy. On the other hand, you have to have a voter ID that every voter has got something that's going to properly identify them as eligible to vote in, say, Columbus, Ohio, or whatever little town in Ohio they live in. But 
What they've done here is said you have to have a driver's license or a military ID or a government issued ID. And the old idea that you could take your bill from the utility company with your um, name and address on it is gone in Ohio. Now, this is not a problem for people who have cars, but who doesn't have cars? The elderly, the poor, um, people who are voting for the first time, probably, um, students in college. Not every college has a huge student parking lot filled with zippy vehicles, um, which they bring to college with them, needless to say. Um, not that I'm against that. I had a red convertible in college. <laughs> it was great fun in Denver. But this is um, what's going on. You figure out what kind of innocent sounding factor could design an electorate that excludes the kind of people you don't want voting. And then you make a statute on that basis. So Ohio has dramatically shrunk the number of days for doing things like completing a mail-in ballot, which includes a period to cure, as one says, mistakes or just overlooking a question or a box to check. Um, an absentee ballot, um, it has to be in much earlier now, and there are a lot fewer days. And this has turned out to be a real problem for military personnel stationed outside of the United States, but still voting in Ohio. And they're annoyed. And so um, the same day that Governor DeWine, uh, January 6th, if you can believe it, signed this bill, the military, um, their lawyer, filed a complaint um, and um, they're now litigating this issue because it doesn't even seem possible for the military to comply with these time limits. Governor DeWine has said, well, Ohioans have always run quite good elections. We don't really have a fraud problem. Um, and so we won't need any more changes now for a number of years. I would just like to add that the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the President of the Ohio Senate um, went to Pennsylvania as soon as the bill had been signed in Ohio, trying to help the people in Pennsylvania enact a similar law. Um, so there is coordination, there is great activity. And Ohio um, is the most recent state to have done this, but they did it while the rest of us were still taking down our Christmas trees or putting away the Hanukkah candles. Um, Quick, because, no one's looking. Yes. Um, well, nobody was looking. We were all trying to figure out where we were going to put all these candles or all these electric lights. Right. Um, so want to talk about Arizona, always a, a fun state. Uh, there's a new new sheriff in town, or in this case, a new attorney general. 
there's a new attorney general, there's a new governor and not the one who kept saying to us that she was going to be the governor, but the other one who actually got the votes. Um, People in Arizona um, turned out to think that it was very important to count the votes that people actually cast. The races, several of them were very tight, just razor thin margins, but there were winners, winners greater than the uh, margin for recounts, et cetera, in Arizona. And so in Arizona, among the things that are going on, is that all the defeated candidates who ran on a program of vote suppression and vote nullification are now complaining that the election was rigged for these people who were running on a platform of what they called honest elections. It's a bit difficult to disentangle, but one can get the hang of it when watching um, it. And of course, the hotel, um, you know, Arizona is a very complicated state, believe it or not. And um, we just don't know from election to election what's going to happen there. So this new attorney general, she's sort of reversing what the former attorney general enacted or she's using it to to better you putting it to better use. Yes, she's putting it to better use. She's just um, repurposing it, I think, is what we say if it's a gift. She's just regarding this thing as a gift, and she's going to repurpose it to help more people comply with the voting requirements. So what was the requirement and what's she changing it to? Well, I think the requirements were all very time time constrained, difficult. If you didn't have a car, if you didn't have a means of communication, if you didn't have a computer, if you were not comfortable being around government bureaucrats, the whole thing seemed to be an incredible burden to vote. And she's looking at putting, or she's looking to put those into helping voters vote? Helping voters just navigate the system. And she's not telling them what the quote unquote right answer is. Have you ever been incarcerated or whatever the the question is? Um, do you live on this side or that side of this street? You know, because of a precinct boundary, all of which matters a great deal. Um, but in Arizona, you have... Um, you know, people who won their seats by very small victory margins and the people who are running against them seem to be intending to spend the next four years running against them um, on complaints that this whole election was rigged for these good government types. Um, so we'll see. Yes, we'll um, we'll have to see what happens in Arizona if there are recall elections, et cetera. But um, so far that hasn't happened because nobody seems to have the money. So Georgia, a real nail biter there in November. Well, and December. Georgia is in some ways has the most complete of the new style election laws in the country. It is a, an approach that has both voter suppression, 
and vote nullification written into it. So let's just kind of look at what they've done in um, in Georgia. They have decided that the Secretary of State, the office that historically in virtually all states is responsible for elections, will no longer be a decision maker about elections. He'll simply be the kind of person who sweeps the floor and provides the information, but he will not have a policy role. The policy role is to be played by the Board of Elections, which is elected by the firmly Republican bicameral state legislature. And so this is one of those states that says um, running elections um, is the work of the legislature, not the secretary of state, not even the governor. The secretary of state, we might recall, had the famous telephone conversation with the former president where he said he just needed one more vote. He called it a love for some reason. Um, and that would be enough. And he said, you know, you could repurpose some of those votes. What would be so wrong if you just said you counted them up again and got a different result? We all know about this. We've heard it on TV so much. Um, but Georgia is not yet doing the voter nullification that they've needed because their vote voting suppression is going so swimmingly. The voter suppression is, I think, famous because you can't give grandma water on a hot day. You can't give a voter in line anything. There is water there, but you know, we will not go further into the complexities of Bring water. Bring the hose over here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not quite like that, but um, but they really are enforcing this. They have quite aggressive vote monitors, which is observers. And the question always was, in a state where people have guns, lots of guns, guns everywhere, are they going to come into the a voting area and stand right behind a voter as they fill in the ballots. I mean, um, not quite that bad, but they're very much on the scene. Although at the last minute, the good government types got into this bill a requirement that the voting um, monitors have some training before they just appear at the um, uh, voting stations. So what I think is going on here is to see what's going to happen when Georgia tries to exercise the vote nullification authority it already has. Now that vote nullification authority is very interesting. I'd like to make a couple of points about it because it links up with what's going on, I think. The um, the vote nullification is a product of, as well as many of the more clever, shall we say, 
or some would say insidious, we'll just settle for clever, uh, vote, voter suppression provisions, which is the American Legislative Exchange Council, which has been around a long time, and it drafts model laws and sends them around to the state legislatures. And there's nothing wrong with that in principle. Now, if they sent around, um, you know, bills allowing people to hang Mike Pence in front of their state capitol since they didn't get it done in Washington, just as a wacky, totally hypothetical, for instance, that would be a completely different matter. That, of course, would begin to be in the territory of a plan for a felony. Um, can't do things like that. Um, but that's not Alex. But what they've been doing is very aggressive pushing of these state election bills, vote suppression bills and vote nullification. Hey, let's go back just a second. Um, you brought up Alex, which is is actually part of my next question is, is can we talk a little about the Supreme Court dis, uh, decision that will come down uh, this spring, uh, Moore versus Harper in North Carolina gerrymandering case. I know Christopher Alzadi, our engineer, loves gerrymandering chat. Well, don't we all? It's such an <laughs> exercise in human perversion parading as government in good government engagement. In the Root Show case, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said, it's a political question. The Supreme Court's not going to do these um, gerrymandering cases anymore. The American Legislative Exchange Council, Alex, which does all sorts of stuff, um, it has been pushing these bills. And that is a center of energy in this movement, I'm not sure that the Ohio State Legislature would not be home taking down their tree and putting away their Hanukkah candles like upstanding Americans would be just after New Year's Day, um, that they would be at the State House enacting this bill. Um, the American Legislative Exchange Council is well funded. But it's had large donors. It's got a lot of dark money in it, as does almost everything else. Um, but to me, I have always wondered ever since the Federalist Society, which started out as a sort of small scale law student organization, um, whether, in fact, Alex looked at that $1.6 billion pot of cash that, that Leonard Leo got um, after he managed to pack the court for the former president. Um, and they said to themselves over at Alec, We'd like to do that too. And whether they're actively shopping for somebody who can drop 1.6 billion on them, I have no idea if this is true. But I do want to say, in principle, you can, of course, suggest model legislation. But this is not a grassroots thing bubbling up in the states. This is a coordinated activity across the states. And then people, get a hold of it, and they decide they can win elections in their state. And that's the driving force. This is Moore versus Harper. It was argued on December 
December 7th, the U.S. Supreme Court. These people do have seem, they pick all the dates, don't they? December 7th, January 6th, one wonders. And the theory that they were working with in Moore versus Harper um, is the so-called independent state legislature theory. Um, and it would give the legislative branch control over both gerrymandering at the state level and control over election law. Now, there's a lot one could say about why this isn't true, but there is some support for it, not surprisingly, among those very recently uh, uh, nominated and confirmed for seats on the Supreme Court. So um, I think this is a factor we have to pay attention to. And um, up to a point, Alex has a website and one can look at things. Um, they've written an amicus brief for Moore versus Harper for those interested in reading, um, as indeed have the state Supreme Court justices who are a little miffed to think that they should just stand back and let a bunch of state legislators um, decide what the law is in this vital area of democracy. But, you know, this is a very serious matter. It's a very serious step back um, from the engagement of the courts and judicial review. Um, so we are in the thick of complexity and confusion again this year, even though we thought 15 ballots to elect a speaker for the House of Representatives in Washington might have been enough, even though Ohio was up there legislating its little heart out in the first day of the new year. It is um, likely to spread. There are bills everywhere. Um, Texas has so many um, bills filed now. They're not sure, and no one's sure apparently, um, whether any of them will attract enough support. And if something does, they can't predict it at this point. Um, the Texas legislature meets once every two years to the immense relief of the people of Austin, among whom I used to count myself a voting member. Well, thanks for joining us again. Um, this has been uh, illuminating. Uh, always fun to chat with you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Catherine. Nice to be here. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Season 10 of The Explainer. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at explainer at miami.edu. Our show was engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uguez. Today's show is sponsored by the University of Miami Law Review Symposium, an unequal burden exploring environmental justice and the climate crisis, February 10th and 11th at the University of Miami. For more information, visit law.miami.edu.